If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump, right? In today's episode, we talk about how to train like your favorite athlete. Okay, so this will benefit all of you. I don't care if you don't really care about training or looking like an athlete, but you want to be fit, lean, sexy. Well, training this way will do that as well. And of course, if you like to move and perform well, if you like to also be go and not just show, you're going to love this episode. By the way, in this podcast, we talk about uh, a bundle of programs that we're actually putting together at discounted price, which includes Maps Prime, Maps Powerlift, Maps Performance, and Maps Hit. Uh, we discounted them tremendously, made the price $149.99 for all of them total for lifetime access. The normal price of this would be something like five or six hundred dollars. So it'd be really, really high. You can find them at mapsextreme.com. So that's M-A-P-S-E-X-T-R-E-M-E. By the way, the order that you'd want to follow these programs, you'd want to go Maps Prime, of course, sets you up. Then you'd want to go to Maps Performance, Maps Powerlift, back to Maps Performance, and then Maps Hit. So if you're wondering how to follow them, in what order, there you go. Now, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PRX. PRX makes some of the best home gym equipment you'll find anywhere. This is commercial-grade home gym equipment designed to maximize space. So if you want a home gym but don't think you have the space, go check them out. They actually have a, a rack that folds into the wall. So this is a full-on squat rack with safeties and everything, and it folds right into the wall. Go check them out. Head over to prxperformance.com forward slash mind pump. If you go through that link, you get 5% off. All right, enjoy the show. Here's something that's interesting. This is connected to what we're about to talk about. Some of the best results I ever got with my personal workouts and definitely with my clients, definitely with my clients was when the focus was entirely on performance, how you perform, how strong you are, how well you move. In fact, this is a, this was a, a technique that I used often, especially in the back half of my career when I really figured this out. If I got a client that wanted to lose weight or, you know, sculpt their body, build this, build that, look a certain way, I would say, you know what, let's do this for the next you know, three months. We're not going to focus on the scale. We're not going to focus on the mirror. I just want to improve your performance at the end of that three month period. Then we'll assess your appearance and I'll make this guarantee right here. If we improve your performance, you're going to be very happy with the way you look. I, I was, and, it, and it was a game changer. I was late to the party on this one. I wish that somebody would have taught me this early on in my career because it, it made a tremendous difference on the consistency that my clients uh, would have with their training program when I got them to shift away from the mirror and scale. Mm -hmm. Now, I was trying to do that, but I, I didn't think until later on to like shift it over in the performance direction. It was yeah. just, oh, you know, stop paying attention to the scale so much, but then they still, you know, they would, you know? Yeah. And I what I wasn't doing early on, even though I knew it was a bad idea to focus on the scale and the mirror, I wasn't giving them the the performance metrics to look at. Once I started to do that, then it gave them something that they could be encouraged about and they could focus in on versus me just saying, no, don't pay attention to the mirror. Don't pay attention to the scale because yeah. you tell them that and I had nothing else for them to focus on. They're still going to go focus well, on that. Performance is objective. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the big key, right? It's like, I mean, how subjective is appearance? Yeah. It's so subjective. Oh, I look good. I don't look good. I don't know. How many times have you said this about yourself and then five years later see a picture of yourself and you go actually I, th I looked a lot better than i thought performance is very objective and here's a, this is important now it's a very important key all of our our what, what guides us to what we consider to be aesthetic right the things that we think look good the only reason why we think they look good is because it evolved as a signal to, to to explain performance like why is a man with wide shoulders and a smaller waist and a muscular upper body it considered attractive because what that meant was performance. He could move. He was strong. His testosterone levels were high. Why is it, you know, historically a hip to waist ratio is a particular number on women. Why is that considered attractive across all cultures, regardless of weight? Why is that considered attractive? Because that points to performance, childbirth, health, you know, do that. Does she have a good fatty acid profile? Um, is she healthy essentially? So 
all of the stuff that we tend to aim towards in the fitness space, especially popular fitness media, mm -hmm. actually originates from uh, performance. And well-trained athletes look good as a side effect. And more often than not, they look good. And more often than not, they look better than people who only focus on looks and pay no attention to performance. How, how interesting is that? It's yeah. so much a better psychological uh, practice and, and, and behavioral practice. It's just a healthier way to you know, approach it in terms of uh, finding uh, value from those metrics and seeing that actually happen as opposed to uh, just all the nuances of seeing how your body's shifting almost on a daily basis based on what you're consuming or, you know, the mood you're in. It's, it's, it's just like, it's too much, um, emphasis on, on looks. Whereas, um, you, you, once you start really getting more involved in the performance side and you get you, the quality of your movement and there, there's just a lot of different motivating drivers there that can carry you further than just, you know, the, the day to day, am I looking good today? Am I not looking good today? Now there is another side to this coin though. Um, and that I would caution anybody that's listening right now because we're, we're promoting this idea of, you know, the benefits of training more like an, an athlete or thinking like that, right, towards performance. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, and maybe this is why I didn't focus on this, I also saw a problem with um, clients that would, you know, open up magazine articles and their favorite, you know, NFL wide receiver, mm -hmm. you know, or the rock or some, I don't know, some person that they uh, aspire to be like that's athletic. And then their workout is in the, you know, magazine. Yeah, and so they go and they follow this and it's, and it rarely ever is actually a really good, you know, programmed uh, routine. It's something that's got, you know, plyometrics and explosive movements and weird exercises they've never done before. And they're like, Oh, you know, my Odell Beckham does this. I'm going to start yeah. doing this now. And so I would be challenged with that, with those people that, that are, are drawn to training like an athlete, but then also haven't uh, done the prerequisites to train that well, way. There's, so there's two yeah. components, two things that we need to address here. Um, if you're training, if you're a coach and you're training a specific athlete, the training is very specific to the person and the sport, okay? So athletic training for a football player is going to look different than athletic training for a swimmer or an endurance runner or a cyclist or a baseball player, right? It's going to look different. What we're talking about here, and that's got lots of value, by the way. So if you want to train for a specific sport and you're a high-performing athlete, uh, then you want to train specifically for that sport. Uh, what we're talking about is general athletic training. So the average person who's like, man, I like to move well. I like to be fast, strong. I like to feel good. And then the side effect of that is, man, I look really good. I look really balanced and I move really well. That's general athletic training versus kind of that specific that you're talking about. And we could do a podcast on like how to train for football, how to train for baseball. Yeah. But I think in this episode, what we're going to talk about is general athletic training, the, the, the components of it, the factors that you want to pay attention to that will benefit you regardless of what your goals are. Yeah, but that's my point that I'm trying to make is that exactly that, that the general population tends to do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The general population who isn't, they make the wrong they're not decision. a wide receiver yeah. for the, they're, they're not a, 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 even probably a, a football player, but they just love watching football and that's their favorite football yeah. player. So therefore they go do it. It's rarely, I'm not talking about the the kid who is in college and he's been training his whole, his whole career and he's a football player and he sees what a football player is doing. So therefore he goes and mimics it. I'm talking about the, the weekend warrior who's yeah. watching football or watching these athletes and goes and, and then goes, oh, man, motivate. They're motivated temporarily by this. Which is a good point to bring up because a lot of those workouts are even more uh, risk. There's more risk involved. There's more uh, detriment uh, because of the explosive nature of them because athletics uh, really you do express uh, very fast twitch explosive movements that you have to be able to control your body at an even higher level uh, than say you know some of these crazy workouts we've seen with bodybuilders where it's just like a ton of volume and it's you know a lot of pumping exercise a lot of like really hard uh muscular uh, hypertrophy type based uh, workouts but um, i caution that because even more so uh, requires the prerequisites of movement and the ability to stabilize and control your joints before adding well, on that type of uh exercise well look the bottom line is this and we talk about this all the time if this is a long a lifelong endeavor for you 
if you want to look good and be fit and be lean, and you don't just want to do it for a short period of time, you're not just trying to get in shape and then get out of shape and gain the weight back and whatever. You're like, look, I want to do this. I want to do it right. And I want to be able to maintain this forever. There's value in all these modalities. There's value in bodybuilding style training. We've done episodes on that. There's value in athletic-based training. There's value in you know strength-based or powerlifting style training. And that's the key here. And what we're talking about right now is the value in training like an athlete. And, and that value will carry over into, I don't care what your goal is, it's going to carry over and it's going to make you, even if you just care about how you look, training this way will make you look better versus never training like this. Oh, 100%. But there still is an order of an operation. Like your point with bodybuilding, how many people, and I know we're talking about sports performance type of training today, but when you look at the people make the same mistake in the bodybuilding community. You see your favorite bodybuilder in a magazine and you see his workouts and you you go do that. And just because you want to be like one or aspire right. to be like one, you, you skip all the other things that you should do before getting mm-hmm. into that routine. And you'll be far better off and you'll get more results faster if you follow the right order of operation. There's nothing, no difference in training like an athlete. If you want to train like an athlete, and just because you're a weekend warrior or the average Joe, doesn't mean that you can't work towards that. You know, being a general population, that's t- totally fine and a, a great goal to have, I think. But there's still an order of operation. You don't just throw that person into this, you know, what an NFL player is doing right now for training camp uh, right away. And, but you could work up to that if you really wanted to, regardless right. of sure. your football. But you you got to get to go, go through the right uh, prerequisites first and order right. of operation and training to, to maximize your benefits and also protect you yeah. from the highest amount of risk. Now, now, the goal of training like an athlete is this. It puts you in your body. You own your body. You can move in different ways and you own all that movement. It can be laterally. It can be forward. It can be up, down. You're strong. You know your capabilities and your capacity. And you can reach the maximum potential of your body whenever you want. So that's what it feels like when you train this way. You feel stable, strong, secure. You move well. And you can call upon your body to do lots of different things. But this begins with the right mindset. It's a very different mindset when you go into the gym or your garage or your workout at home when you're training like an athlete versus just training to look a particular way. Essentially, it's this. You're not training for show. You're only training for go. Now, again, remember this. When you train for go and you accomplish a great deal of that, the show part becomes the side effect, right? But that's the mentality. So when you go to the gym, rather than thinking, I'm going to sculpt my quads like this or I'm going to develop this part or piece of my back, you're going in there. And by the way, training for, for go doesn't just mean strength, but that's part of it. It doesn't just mean str- uh, speed. That's part of it, right? It's all things tied to performance. So I can literally go to the gym and say, today my goal is to squat better than I did before or squat stronger or heavier than I did before, right? It could be I'm going to do an overhead press and my extension is going to be even better. Or normally when I do overhead carries, I feel strain in my low back. Today my goal is to be able to do this and feel no strain in my low back. That's what I mean by train for show. You're going in there and you're trying to aim for these objective measures that have everything to do with performance. Yeah, and I would even argue that the most important, even over strength, would be movement quality. Yeah. Uh, if you look at uh, the the highest athletes when um, they're you know their coaches and the, the technology that they have to analyze a pitcher as a pitcher throws the ball, I mean they're looking at you know it was he, from what you know twelve o'clock to six o'clock is his arm going? Yeah, is where's he, the ball? Is he internally rotating too much? He, and they are, they're not going like hey very, throw it harder it's next very time. Mechanical. Yeah, they're not throw it harder next time yeah. or do fifty more reps. They're going like they're they're adjusting uh, like every little detail about the movement knowing that that will get more out of the movement, right? Yeah. More results from that. So the same concept is that that's the way you want to go into these workouts when you look at, oh, today is squats or, oh, today is whatever, shoulder press, doesn't matter what movement we're doing, you know, less less of you worrying about looking at your yeah, shoulders. It's, it's a lot more intentional, uh, you know, the approach to a lot of these movements. And um, again, and we kind of throw out their practice as being like one of the best yeah. examples of, of approaching workouts is we get we get the opportunity to take some of these um, common exercises and practice them and, and get better at them specifically uh, in terms of 
how I'm performing that exercise, not necessarily just uh, am I able to get through the workout or am I able to load more weight? It really, what was the quality of it? You know, how did I feel my way through it? Like where, where did the, um, the breakdown occur? Um, you know, how can I, how can I improve that? So it's just like really taking a, a microscope back in and, and looking at the quality of how everything, uh, you know, came together in, inside that workout. I remember when we wrote, uh, maps performance and, one of the things that I would get is messages all the time is like, you know, how do I know what weight to choose or should I, I feel like I can do this and I can go heavier if I go there. I'm like, stop worrying about that so much and make the movement perfect. You've got a, you've got a model on video there and I'd rather see you execute that movement with absolute perfection no swaying to the left or right mm. no no inability to get full extension or not being able to reach full depth like i care more about that than you okay hey next week we add five or ten more pounds to the right. bar and so you just you like to your mindset point sal you you have to go into the workout with that like you are it's almost like an art like you want to yes. make this workout look so perfect and then you that over the amount of reps yeah. yeah yeah and think of it this way right exercises all have a value and in order to maximize the value of an exercise to really get everything that it can offer you your form and technique and control has to be really good so you could do a barbell squat and let's say the max potential of a squat is a hundred and because your technique and form and control aren't great, you're only ever going to get 50, no matter what, no matter how much you squat, no matter how often you squat, no matter how much weight you add on the squat bar, you're only going to get 50 versus maximizing the technique, the skill and the control of it, where you can now maximize the potential of that squat, which is tremendous. So to use another example, right? If you're a boxer, the result of your punch, or at least the, what you're looking for is to knock someone out. So I want to be able to throw a punch. And the goal is to knock someone out. And so you could take two boxers and one guy could just lift weights and get as strong as possible, never perfect throwing a punch. The other guy can practice throwing a punch. Guess who's going to punch harder, right? Guess what the result is going to be from the person who practiced the punch versus the guy that just lifts weights and builds muscle. So you want to maximize what all these exercises can do for your body. You want to get really good at them. And that's what, that's what we mean when we say don't train for show you know, train for go. When you're going into the gym, this is the mindset. I want to do this better. I want to get better at the skill. Now, what's the carryover? Let's say you don't, you're not looking to be an athlete all the time, but this is something you're including in your workout routine. You're doing this for a six month period or a three month period. And then you go back to your other training. Oh my gosh, the carryover is tremendous. It's mm -hmm. absolutely, I don't care if you want to bodybuild later on, when you maximize now that the effectiveness of each of those exercises that you can do anyway when you go bodybuild, now when you go do your bodybuilding routine, the it just you build muscle so much easier. Yeah, I don't know the like the parallel for me. I always go back to um, musicians, and, and if I was to kind of compare it to a symphony where you have a collection of all these different instruments. And, you know, it's very beneficial to hyper-focus on one of those instruments to make sure that the sound quality and everything is, you know, at its utmost, uh, you know, at its best versus, but how does that play into the entire symphony? How does that overall sound, uh, you know, how, how's that quality? And so, like, in terms of performance, I look at it more as a symphony of, like, how all these parts are, are moving together in unison and, and, and what that's producing. Yeah, wow, that so beautiful. So so let's talk about the like the the foundational kind of physical pursuit. Um, we've talked about this in the past, and that really is uh, strength. It, now, why do why is that called the foundational physical? Well, first of all, does that mean it's the only thing you should focus on? No, but when we say foundational, what we mean is, generally speaking, all things being equal, if you get stronger, the other physical pursuits tend to improve. So if you talk about speed. If you talk about explosiveness, if you talk about uh, stability, even endurance, if you get stronger, all of those things uh, tend to improve. So this is a very important thing to understand. So one component, and I probably have to sell this the least. I think people listening right now, probably most people are interested in strength as, as a performance metric. But if, if that is that particular metric right there will contribute to all the others. So for example, a program that it, that seems to be very specific, like MAPS Powerlift, well, let's use that as an example, right? MAPS Powerlift is, obviously the Powerlift is in the name. It's to train somebody for a powerlifting meet. Now, if that's all you ever do, that's fine. 
But if you use that in combination with other types of workout programs to train like an athlete, what, what MAPS Powerlift will give you, for example, is this incredible base of strength. You've got this kind of low gear. And when I say strength in this context, I mean that low gear grinding strength because later on we're going to talk about other types of strength. But if you could build your strength capacity, squat, deadlift, overhead press, bench press, you know, those kind of movements, you're going to see carryover into your other, you know, athletic pursuits. Maybe one of the most underrated programs that we have for an athlete. Because most athletes would think of things that are more like explosive, dynamic, different planes. And you think, oh, my God, powerlifting is like five exercises, sagittal plane. How that's not an athlete. Like, I don't want to do that. But to to your point you're making Mm -hmm. right now, the amount of strength that you're going to build through that program. And that's why, you know, the idea is that that's just part of the program. That's a phase, right? A part, a portion of it. We are going to focus purely on getting as strong as you can in these major lifts that are then going to carry over into your athletic performance. I think uh, it's just not one of the ones that someone would think would, uh, would attribute to a lot of their athletic performance that I think would tremendously. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about general athletic Mm -hmm. uh, performance. Like when I would train clients who were, they weren't like hardcore athletes, like they're not collegiate, you know, competitive athletes, but rather they're like, I like to run in marathons or I like to do a triathlon or I like to do these races on the weekend and I like to train for one. It's really interesting. I'd get these clients and, you know, sometimes it's hard to focus on tons of metrics, especially when they give me a short period of time. Like, hey, I have 60 days. I'm going to do this marathon. Like, how can you help me improve my performance? Sometimes all I would do is I would just get them stronger yeah. at a squat. Like, all right, we're just going to get you strong. And then next thing you know, I remember one lady in particular, she was really into marathons. She liked to do two or three a year. This was her thing. She didn't. She never really did proper resistance training. She hired me as a referral. She gave me 60 days. She was going to do the New York Marathon, which is a big one. And she said, I want to get faster. I've been stuck at this time. And I just like, I wait, I go around this time. It's like, I don't, I can't really beat it. All I did was get her stronger at squats. That's all, I mean, that was the main thing I focused on squats and deadlifts. And she shaved a tremendous amount of time off of her run. And she couldn't believe that strength would do that. I'm like, well, of course you're going to fatigue far. It's going to take you much longer to fatigue when you're really strong, especially when you start out the race. So it made a big difference. And I know like I'm probably the one that, that refers to generating force the most because like, you know, in biomechanics, this is something like they talk about a lot about how can I improve my ability to generate more force. It's all related to strength Mm -hmm. and strength is that, 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 that building block uh, that you need, that's the very first, you know, element that you need to then, you know, push you towards uh, maximizing all other pursuits. Now, that being said, you, uh, it's a part of this training yes. routine. You do not want to get stuck in this, this one dimension, right? The sagittal plane of yep. always training. Or just strength. Yeah, because then it, it could be detrimental, right? So there's, there's ways to use this to where it'll add tremendous value. And then there's ways where this could set you back if you get stuck training like this. So it's very important that we also express your, your body in different planes of motion too. Very important. Uh, the best athletes in the world are not uh, one dimensional, especially when you consider, what was that show on Netflix that you you kept talk, talking about Adam and then I finally watched the episode about Caitlyn Jenner. Oh yeah, Untold Stories. Untold Stories. So it, it, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix and it's the story of Caitlyn Jenner and she goes back to when she she was Bruce Jenner and she was the gold she wins the gold medal in the decathlon uh, in the Olympics and we beat the Soviet Union. It's a great story. Uh, you know, Bruce Jenner at the time was like this huge American hero and there's all these home videos of Bruce Jenner doing backflips, you know, uh, you know, skiing with on one foot, you know, water skiing on one foot, mm-hmm. you know, riding a bike, lifting weights. One thing you noticed about Bruce Jenner was he was this like super well-rounded, almost looked like he could do anything, yeah. you know? He was not one-dimensional at all. There were so many dimensions to his athletic performance. And of course, if you look at the decathlon competition, it does incorporate strength, power, endurance, you know, that kind of stuff all in one. So when we're talking about not being one-dimensional, literally it means... You want your body to be able to perform in many different ways. Uh, Speed, endurance, uh, you want to have that athleticism to move in different directions and be stable, right? So if you're one-dimensional strength, 
You know, you take someone that only does powerlifting, mm -hmm. you get them to try to move fast laterally, or and just, they'll or hurt themselves. Well, just throw a ball. Yeah. yeah. Well, even then, you get like super specialized and focused. You're gonna you're gonna get really good at that quickly, and that's gonna be something that you you know hone in on. But at the same time, there's a limitation to that. Uh, and in terms of like how I've heard it described from a lot of uh, world-class strength coaches, you know, the exposure to a lot more variables allows, you know, your body to adapt and react to them and become a better athlete, uh, you know, like for a longer period of time uh, versus getting really, really good, but with few variables involved. Yeah, totally. I mean, so like, for example, MAPS Performance, when we created that program, one big component of it was uh, proprioceptive ability and to be able to move in different planes of motion. So you had exercises that were more traditional, like your squats and your presses, but you had exercises that incorporated lots of rotation, lots of lateral movement. Contralateral. Contralateral stuff. movement, bilateral movements, and bilateral meaning one leg or one arm at a time, contralateral meaning you know the opposite arm, opposite leg, and movements that combined a few of these different things, right? So- what do you get from doing that? You get a body that communicates very well with itself and you're in your body. So think about this for a second. Think about the exercises that you're really good at that you practice all the time. Then think of doing something that you never practice. All of a sudden, you suck. All of a sudden, you, it's like you're in your body when you do the thing that you practice all the time. Then you do this other thing that you never train. I, this happened to me a, like a couple months ago. I went to go do some lateral leg, uh, excuse me, uh, sled drag. So I went to go drag the sled laterally and I was like tripping over my feet. I had to have Justin kind of help me with that technique. I was like a, a baby deer, you know, just being born. Like, I don't know how, how to do this. Unfamiliar, yeah. Totally unfamiliar because I was not uh, privy in this particular dimension. Now, what are the visual effects of being multidimensional uh, with your, with your uh, being able to express your athletic ability? A very balanced symmetrical physique. Think of the muscles that you don't develop yes. because you don't move in a particular way, right? Think of the muscles that get neglected because you don't rotate in a particular way. It's all those areas start to get developed and you start to get this really nice kind of balanced physique. Now also think about this. If let's say you're somebody that's stuck at a particular exercise and you're like, ah, oh, my deadlift's been stuck at this weight forever, or I, for whatever reason, I've never been able to bench press more than this. What may be preventing you from moving forward is all the stuff that I'm talking about. You know, your body naturally has these safeguards that are in you that will stop your body from generating more force, lifting more weight, or progressing any more forward because it detects risk of injury. You know, you can only throw a ball as fast as your body thinks you can handle, essentially. Mm -hmm. right? You can only lift as much as your body thinks you can handle. And maybe the reason why you can't is because you're so one-dimensional. You, you lack that lateral stability and you go for a heavy squat and your body's like, this is about as much as we're going to allow you lift because if you shift to the side, you're going to hurt yourself. Do you think the benefits of training this way is is more neuromuscular than it is actually muscular? Do you think that like the communication part of all this is as far as its carryover into athletic performance? Dude, huge. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you a huge, I'm not going to call anybody out, but there's a person that we know we're, we're friends with, very muscular, extremely strong person. Oh. And they posted a video. Of and them doing now, a lunge? Yes. yes. Now this person, again, I don't want to call them out uh, because I think they're an incredible, for their specific sport, incredible athlete. But this person could squat world record weights. Mm -hmm. And they went to do some lunges, which is a split stance exercise, right? And you could see, I mean, they were using a weight that, you know, I could lift, which, and I'm nowhere near as strong as this person. And you could see the instability because they don't have the neuromuscular connection. They have the muscle, right. the muscle's there, right? But they don't, they can't turn it on. They and, can't control it. And I think that's the important point because people, you know, obviously general population, people are hearing words like bilateral, unilateral, contralateral, and they're going, okay, what's all? And, yeah. and you're saying opposite arm, opposite leg, moving so and they're going, okay, well, what's the point? Why wouldn't I just train that leg, train that arm, train that leg, train that arm? Like what, it, why am I doing these opposite things? And I think that- Well, here, can the, you, can you, can you, can you pat your head by yourself? Yeah. Can you rub your tummy in a circle by itself? Yeah. Do both at the same time. Right. All of a sudden, it's like really weird. We've all done that in school, it's right? It's a new variable, yeah. It's, it's, it's because it's doing a few things at the same time requires a different level of neuromuscular communication and control. 
and training in multi dimensions is what creates this. Which and, and that is, this is such an important attribute uh, when moving or, or or being like an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. Athletics is so reactive and it is so dimensional, and it, you have to be able to get the entire body. I mean, if you're running on a soccer field and you're running for the ball and all of a sudden someone kicks it the opposite direction the ability for you to cut and go back the other direction i mean the the that is a lot of that is the communication of your brain to all these different limbs to all coordinate with each other to your symphony part you know or right. analogy to go back the other direction super fast like yeah. you could have the strongest leg cool. you know in the world and you're not going to be able you to do that to be able to rotate while simultaneously anti-rotating you know your lower half of your body or you know vice versa or uh, allow for you know more uh, fluid movement so that way I could propel a, a baseball while the rest of my body is super tight and rigid and so it's just it, it sounds very complicated I mean our bodies are complicated at right. the end of the day uh, there's a lot of tasks that we're asking uh, our body to produce at once and you know to oversimplify it uh, is difficult, but uh, there there is a way to be able to simplify this down to what are those elements involved in um, you know improving performance of the overall body. Well, th this is how you know when you have a good coach too that is considering all these things when writing a program. You know, I, I've seen trainers before write programs for you know athletes, and it's just a bunch of plyometric work. You know, it's just a bunch of explosive One cir yeah, circuit training type of stuff that they think, oh, because they need a gas tank, yeah. they need to build strength. Let's combine all these strength exercises in a circuit. That's athletic training. You know, that's how I think a lot of uh, there's a lot of athletes that were adopting in schools that were adopting CrossFit. You know, think that this is the best thing for these athletes because they're getting strong and they're working on by, endurance at the same the way, time. You're literally doing another sport to get good at your sport. That's what that is. CrossFit <laughs> yeah, yeah. is a sport. No, you're right. You're so right. I'm going to train. It's like I want to get better at football, so I'm going to go play soccer. Will yeah. I get more some benefit? Uh, a little bit, but I'd yeah. be better off if I trained my body yeah. for football. That's what they were doing when they were doing CrossFit. <laughs> no, like, totally. I'm going to follow another sport. I'll give you my personal my personal experience with this because I personally have no interest in playing uh, traditional sports. I really could care less. You know, if I go to the park, I, I rarely ever will take a baseball or football to the park when I go with my kids. You know, we'll do other things. I'm, I could really care less, but but here's where I get the benefit. So I love traditional resistance training exercises. I love squatting. I love deadlifting. I love pressing and rowing. And sometimes I get so caught up in these lifts that I neglect other dimensions. And every once in a while, I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, I should probably... I should probably focus on that a little bit. And sometimes the reminder is pain. Other times it's a really hard plateau. But more recently, I'd say probably over the last, well, not now, because now I've kind of taken care of it. But about a year ago, it was pain. Like I would squat heavy and deadlift heavy. And I just, you know, my, my SI joint on my low back would kind of bother me a little bit. I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do all split stance unilateral exercises. And I'm going to throw in some lateral stuff. And I'm only going to do that for a little while and see what happens. Uh, first off, my body started to look better. I actually started to develop more balance in the way my body looked. And then about six months later, when I went back to my you know bilateral exercises, right? My legs are together, my arms are together, more traditional exercises. I found out I was stronger. Like this was, this was, it was, it was great. Like I could squat and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so stable in my squat. My body's uh, developing really well. So that's the that's the carryover uh, for somebody who really could care less about playing sports, just wants to look good. Believe me, this will make you look better if you focus on this. Well, now you're you're kind of alluding to like the the next point, which is you know addressing weak links. Yep. So I think that's another thing that's really important as far as prerequisites before we start training explosive movements. If you have somebody who's got this, you know, excessive internal rotation of the hip on your left side, but the right side's completely normal. And then you go ask that person to do explosive bump, uh, uh, jump boxes. Uh, what you're asking for is a potential injury. At the bare minimum, even if they don't get injured, they're not going to get the most out of that movement. And they're not going to be able to train to be like an athlete if they're performing that way. So you first then have to unpack what's going on with the movement. Where's the disconnect? Yeah, that's right. And then address the weak link so everything is firing properly and we're getting the most out of all those yeah. muscles. By the way, the term weak link I know we throw that around a lot and people kind of know what it means but here's what it literally this is where it came from right think of a chain mm -hmm. and think of a chain that is towing 
something really heavy. That entire chain is only as strong as the weakest link on there. It's not as strong as the strongest. It's as strong as the weakest. If that link breaks, it doesn't matter that the other links could handle way more weight. It makes no difference. The, the chain broke. It's no longer functional. This is what we mean by taking care of weak links. So your performance could be, and oftentimes, I don't want to say could, could be, I'll say oftentimes, if not most of the time, your performance is not hindered by your inability to generate maximum force or your big muscles can't do, no, no, it's usually something else mm -hmm. that is getting in the way. Like, you know, your bench press isn't going up, not because your chest isn't big enough or your shoulders and triceps aren't big enough, but maybe because the stabilizers in your shoulders can't right. support that weight. So you just, you get your chest, chest as big as you want. It ain't going to well, allow you to lift more and weight. And a lot of times, you know, your average gym person loses sight of that because it's fun because you see numbers going up and you're getting better at certain lifts and uh, everything's going great muscularly. However, you're still getting aches. You're still getting pains. You know, uh, they're, they're, you sort of hit a wall and a plateau a lot of times with some of these lifts and, and you're just wondering why. Uh, but when you get back into the performance side and you start focusing on the movement, it really reveals itself as far as any restriction or pain or something that's not contributing properly. That's the weak link. That's what we need to really focus on to then go back and then propel those lifts even more. And this was, this was really the uh, ins inspiration behind um, Maps Prime. I mean, and we've talked a, a bunch on the show about this being our personal favorite because I think it took the most skill for us to do that. It's like, okay, how do we take a program that – a, someone who wants to train like an athlete can take it and apply it to the routine. Somebody who wants to lose 30 pounds of fat, take it and apply it to the routine. How does somebody who wants to build 15 pounds of muscle? How do we address it? weak links in everybody? Yeah, exactly. How do we address weak links in every single person and then give them something that would complement any routine they would they would possibly do and then also yet individualize it for for everybody so they could figure that out. So, mm -hmm. And that's really the, the beauty of, of Prime. And if you haven't gone to the free webinar that Justin did, it's absolutely free. He takes you through the three zones that we do in Maps Prime, so you can get an idea. And the idea of this is that you 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 go through the test, you figure out what your weak links are, you get the exercises that are supposed to address that and help that, and that you build that into your routine. So that becomes a part of your routine as you're going through that, regardless if you're training like an athlete or somebody who just wants to lose weight. Yeah, no, and you know it's funny of all the pro, it's the, the one we're most pop, we're most uh, proud of, right? It's also the least sexy, right? So yeah. <laughs> I, when I when I talk about any other workout program, it's like build muscle, boost your metabolism, burn body fat, get stronger, yeah. get faster. What's Maps Prime do? You know, it it solves your weak links, help you with mobility. Everybody's like, whatever. You know what's funny? By far, it's the program that gives us the most positive comments. By far. Yeah. And here's the part that's the most uh, I think revealing. It comes from bodybuilders, strrongmen. Powerlifters, we have endurance athletes, we mm -hmm. have uh, specific athletes, like football players, CrossFitters. Yeah. It's the one where, like, you know, Maps, you know, if I, one of our bodybuilding programs, right, like Maps Aesthetic or something, I'm going to get a lot of people interested in, in bodybuilding who are going to comment on that. Maps Prime, I get people from everywhere yeah. telling us that they couldn't believe how big of an impact it has uh, it had on their, on their particular goals. Weak links get in the way of performance, movement, they cause injury, they increase your risk of injury. And they get in the way of you developing the body that you want. I'm telling you right now. You know, in fact, yeah. lagging it body parts your full potential. Yeah, uh, you know, another word for weak links, by the way, uh, can also be lagging body parts. Like if you you may think to yourself, like, oh man, I really want to develop my butt, or I really want my hamstrings to look better because my quads overpower them. Like what you're actually probably looking at is a form of a weak link. You're looking at probably a muscle you to have poor connection over. And if you really want to get those muscles to catch up, the first step is to not make it a weak link anymore, get your body to communicate to it properly so you could fire that muscle the way you want so it could develop. So this is where, again, when we created Maps Prime, that was the goal. And like Adam said, it's literally something you can add to any uh, any program. So I don't. it doesn't matter what your goal is, you do this kind of exercises or these kind of training on top of it and you'll see you know better results. Now the next part, and this is also very important, especially for athletics, is to have a bit of a gas tank, right? Most athletic performance requires you to repeat your performance, right? You need to be able to repeat what you just did. 
you know, a minute ago or maybe continuously repeat it, right? It's right. not just one time and then you're done. Although some sports are like that, most are not like that. A bigger gas tank literally means you can repeat your max performance again. So it's like you exert yourself, yeah. you deplete the gas, and well, it comes back. It's really about how quickly you can recover. I mean, that's uh, that's what separates some of the best athletes in the world from just your average athletes is their uh, incredible ability uh, to not only perform at that highest peak performance, but to be able to replicate that uh, very quickly right after that and uh, and have that type of gas tank and endurance uh, within the allotted amount of time of the game. So, uh, you know, this is a very important factor uh, when thinking about athletes. Now, I'm going to tie this back to the very first point, which was the mindset one, too, because this becomes really important here. Like a lot of people understand, like, of course, if you're an athlete, you need to build stamina. Of course, that's why people gravitated towards things like CrossFit, because it builds tremendous stamina on it. But this, the, the general population that tries to train like an athlete uh, that hears that or tries to apply that, where they miss is the, the breakdown in form over, I'm just trying to build my It's tank. all about fatigue. That's right. Yeah. And so I, I want to caution anybody that, that is listening right now that you, when you hear that, and let's say you're going through like a perform, like performance, mass performance actually has a, a portion of it that is endurance-based, right? So to build your stamina. So the final phase is, is a lot of this. But I would, I would be happier to see a client who maybe didn't uh, increase their speed on the treadmill or get something done faster. Uh, I, would, I would rather see them perform it under fatigue with beautiful form still. Mm -hmm. So that when that breaks down, that's where you got to learn to kind of shut down. Does that make sense? Because Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, this goes back to our original point in the beginning, where you, you know we're we're trying to focus more on the intention and the quality uh, of the movement, not just getting through the workout, not just getting through the reps. Right. It really is is at its utmost importance well, to understand where that breakdown occurs, and that's when you, the quality of your form breaks down. Well, okay. Here's here's the bottom line. If it's just about fatigue, it doesn't matter what exercises you do. I hate to break it to you. You you don't need fancy exercises. You could do jumping jacks, and it will give you the same benefits as you doing shitty form on six other exercises. It doesn't matter what you do if your technique and form is out the window. Okay? But if your technique and form is good, now you're going to reap tremendous benefits from training to get a better gas tank. Now it makes sense why you would do a lunge in this particular movement, why you would do a press, why you would do something that included some rotation or some kind of a split stance squat. Now it makes sense. But if it's just about fatigue and form is out the window, I've seen so many trainers do this in gyms. I see them taking th their clients through. Yeah. And, and by the way, this is how high-intensity interval training got bastardized. Here's, here's what happened, okay? Mm -hmm. High-intensity interval training originated as a form of athletic training to improve stamina and improve form and technique under fatigue. This is what it, how it got invented. Now, how it got bastardized is a study came out that showed that it was a great fat burner. So next thing you know, everybody's like, cool, I'm just going to do this to burn body fat. And I'm just going to, and the goal is just to sweat right. and get as tired as possible. Quick, easy fat burning. And hit training became garbage. It absolutely became garbage. Nobody does it right. It's a waste of time. You might as well, again, you don't need your trainer to do this. Just go at home and run in place. You'll get the same benefits. Real high-intensity interval training, real HIT training, it combines the right exercises. So programming matters. Uses resistance as a way to augment. It's not just about moving around in circles and, and doing a bunch of activity, but rather incorporating some kind of strength training into this because you want to have strength while you build this gas tank. And there's an emphasis on form and technique, which means although the goal is to push that capacity, it's also to rest when appropriate because when form goes out the window, you're done. Stop for a second and let's try again. I have a, a visual that comes to mind that I saw not that long ago with my uh, my nephew's basketball team. And they're, the, the desired outcome, right, of this this exercise that they're doing is to, is to get the kids to learn to get in that perfect defensive stance. So they're down in like this 90 degree, like, you know, bent at 90 degree and sitting in a defensive stance. But and then they have to throw the ball back and forth. The coaches are going back yeah. and forth and they're doing it for time. 
And the problem with that is they're focused on the time and getting the kids to do that, and they're working on pushing them through fatigue. But what you notice starts to happen is about 15 seconds in, the kids are starting to round their back, their asses start coming up, but they're still doing the exercise. It doesn't matter. It now <laughs> defeated. Now it defeats the purpose of yeah. why they are, are putting the... Now you're, you're reinforcing bad patterns. That's right. You're trying to train these kids to sit comfortably in this defensive stance. Their legs are probably burning like crazy, and you, as soon as they break that... The exercise needs to be over. Yeah. So and the, so uh, yeah, because we can teach passing from a bad position. You're wasting your time. That, and that's exactly what you're doing by pushing through that. And that's the same thing that happens when you go in, you train these exercises. It, as soon as you start to break down form, but you keep pushing through in pursuit of building your gas tank or stamina, you defeat the purpose of that that movement. You take it to that fatigue or exhaustion, and where that fatigue or exhaustion sets in is the breakdown of form, not when you can't move. Anymore, yes, and I think there 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 is a lot of people that don't grasp that. You see a lot of coaches. There's a big misconception around that, yeah. big time. Look, training your body wrong is not great. It's it's not great to train your body really wrong. So it's really important to do it right, even if you're training to improve your stamina, which requires that you push into some fatigue, that you feel some of that burn, that you're going to be a little bit gassed out. Even if you do that, you still need to put place an emphasis on technique and form, and you still need to have proper exercise programming. If anything, I'll even make the argument that that kind of training, that high-intensity interval training, requires more special emphasis on programming mm -hmm. than other kinds of workouts because you get away with less. You get away with less. You have a smaller uh, margin of error when you're doing HIT training than you do oftentimes with other types of training. Well, there's a reason why it was one of the last programs we developed. Hundred percent. Why we? It's why it's the only program that has a warning on it is because of that. Because and we yet, know how popular it is too. We and it, yes, came out with that. that. It's a. It was a number. It still is. I think it's there still holds the record for a launch. Our marketing team would have loved to have had us release it sooner, but we didn't want to. No, because, we wanted prerequisites first. Yeah, we knew it would sell more, but it was like that. We have to teach the audience how to train their body properly before we just throw them at the the, the routine that everybody mm -hmm. wants to do. And that's the unfortunate part. And we can't control every single person that bought and followed that program. But the truth is, I know for sure there's people that bought that program and we're doing it and and not following all these things that we're saying right now. And that's just important. It's now, important. here's a wonderful side effect of HIT training. So I'm going to sell it a little bit. It does burn a lot of body fat. In a short period of time, it's an incredible fat burner. But only it only is effective in that way if you do it the way we're talking. Otherwise, again, it really doesn't matter what exercises you do. All right. Lastly, let's talk about the ultimate expression of physical performance, right? This is the this is what makes athletic you know sports athletic. This is the athletic part of it, right? Explosive is fast strength, yeah. explosive mm -hmm. strength. Now, why is that the ultimate expression? Because it requires ultimate control. It's one thing mm -hmm. to move with maximal force slowly. That takes some skill, and you get you definitely don't want to hurt yourself. But now do it as fast as you can. You better control the movement because that's where shit happens. But that's also, again, the ultimate expression of athleticism. If you're strong and fast, what did they, what was that quote? I think it might have been uh, what was uh, Mike Tyson's uh, first coach, Damato, uh, or I don't remember his name. Uh, I think he said fast and strong equals dangerous. Like if you're fast and strong, oh boy, now you got to watch out. Now what's the benefit to the average person listening to to get fast and strong? You're dangerous. Oh yeah, your everyday life is <laughs> okay to be dangerous. That's a it, good that's a good yeah. attribute. You are dangerous, but also everyday life becomes risk-free. Yeah. Think about that, right? You're walking uh, on the street, oh your foot goes off the curb, you're okay. Your kid falls. Got to catch him. This happened to me the other day. In fact, my son was playing on the couch. And he, I was watching him, and you know his dad instincts kick in. My wife watched it, which was great because I got yeah. to show off a little bit. He goes and he almost falls head first off the couch, and I boom with one hand caught him. I mean that right there, those kinds of things in everyday oh, it life prepares you for those variables that inevitably are going to come your way. That's just it. Like you, you're going to slip in the shower. You're you know you're going to reach back really quickly. Like like any time something that has some kind of uh, emergency uh, involved in it, like it's going to be super fast and you want to make sure that you don't like just rip your arm out of socket well and if you don't train this you lose this and i, you I totally if you've been it. listening to the podcast long enough you heard me share this I think it was last year maybe a little bit before last year when i when i talked about this 
And uh, it was just simply because I had not had a lot of explosive training in my routine for a long time. I consider myself a you know weekend warrior type athlete, so I'm pretty athletic and can mm-hmm. do this stuff. And I remember jumping out of the back of my truck, just second nature because I've done that a thousand times before. But I hadn't done that in a really long time, nor had I trained anything explosive. And I have the leg strength. I was squatting 400 pounds or so around that time. And I jump out and I thought my knees were going to explode when I landed (laughs) on the ground. And it it scared me for a minute. And what scared me about it was that, wow, this is something that I I just naturally reacted and did because I thought I could do it. Because you remember, I jump out the window. Exactly. And so I didn't. But because I stopped training that ability for my body to be expressed that way, it definitely caught me off guard. And then what did I do the very next day in the gym? I was training those movements again. Also, I mean, the top two reasons why people work out anyway, right? Number one, you want to look good. That's the most common for sure. But the second one is you want to feel good. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's been times in my life, like when I was very heavy into judo and wrestling, where I was I was doing lots of explosive training. Okay. I, I, that's the best I ever felt in my entire life, mm-hmm. just in everyday life. When you're moving and walking and doing stuff and you've got that capability to be explosive, I don't need to be explosive but everything else is easy. It's mm-hmm. like super effortless, and I feel like I can just jump jump out of my clothes if I want any, at any moment because I have that speed. Yeah, all that restless energy I've found is just it's just gone. You know, towards the end of the day too, I sleep better. Sometimes you know, just expressing your body at that type of capacity, it just really does. It calms you down totally. So the value of training like an athlete is tremendous for anybody, regardless of what your goals are. Now, here's what we did with this particular episode. Because we named so many of our programs, and if you got each of them uh, individually, I think we named MAPS Prime, we named MAPS Powerlift, MAPS Performance, MAPS Hit. Uh, If you got all those individually, you're looking at, I don't know, $600 or $500, something like that. So here's what we did. We actually put them together just for this episode. So this is not something that we do ever. This is just specifically for this particular episode in what's called the Extreme Athlete Bundle. So what you get is lifetime access to MAPS Prime, MAPS Powerlift, MAPS Performance, MAPS Hit. This is how much you get them all for, okay? One payment of $149.99. So it's like huge, huge discount uh, for all of these particular programs. And again, you get lifetime access. If you're interested in this, go to mapsextreme.com. That's M-A-P-S extreme.com. Look, if you like our information, head over to mindpumpfree.com. Check out all of our free guides. Also, you can find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, me at Mind Pump Sal, and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.